Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight. Hi, my name is Charlotte. I'm a compulsive eater. Hey, Charlotte. <laughs> um, I'm happy to be here. I would never come over to the West Side. It's cool. I don't recognize... I recognize, like, two people. It's awesome. Um, I'm a compulsive eater. Did I say that already? Uh, so the way that I'm going to speak tonight is by looking at the steps, which is awesome that they're right there. Because uh, when I, if I'm speaking and it's not in the context of the steps, it's usually self-pity or judgment unrecognized. So we're going to start at step one. What, I, what it was like is step one for me. Uh, for the people listening to the podcast, one of my sponsors said, oh, you really never know who you're listening to, uh, you know, until they, until they qualify, etc. I am visibly slender. I'm maintaining a weight loss of uh, 60 pounds for over five or six years. Um, I identify primarily as a compulsive overeater um, and a compensation enthusiast. Uh, what else is what else is in the qualifying? I'm sure it'll come up because this is a really long talk, right? Um, so what it was like. Um, the typical stories that I like to tell are uh, that, for example, when I went trick-or-treating when I was like seven, uh, I went out with um, my friends and we went trick-or-treating, but we hadn't trick-or-treated enough, so I called my mom to come pick me up uh, because we hadn't trick-or-treated enough, and so I left and went home and, like, trick-or-treated by myself, (laughs) and I found out the next day that they were just taking a break, and they actually went out trick-or-treating more later, but, of course, they're not controlling and thinking more about the food than being with each other. Um, Some other examples, you know, I would, like, eat all of the Oh, can, can we say food items in this meeting? Yeah. I would, like, eat all of the fruit snacks that were belonged to my siblings for the week and lie about it and uh, uh, just, you name it, you know, full boxes of everything, full packets of everything, gallons of ice cream, you know, go to three different fast food places in a row, um, correct every single emotion that I ever had, try to correct um, every single emotion I had with something that I would eat. It was my way to cope with everything. The present moment was uh, an empty room that was really dark that I was unwilling to step into. It was completely full of anxiety, and I didn't even know what to do with it. Um, And so um, I thought that that anxiety was something that always needed to be sedated or corrected. Um, I thought that my self-worth was completely tied to the way I looked, that um, whatever I did, my value was based on the way that I looked. I was always on my way up or always on my way down. And uh, what else? Admitted that I was powerless. Okay, coming into OA. I've been um, hospitalized, not for anorexia, but for compulsive eating. Um, I, I personally believe that uh, anorexia and bulimia and all of the above are um, in this program are the same illness, the same obsession and compulsion, just manifested in different ways. Um, 
and I was completely powerless in that I've tried every diet that exists and failed and then gained more weight back. So um, I have been over 25 pounds less than what I am now. It, that was during some failed diets in which I just got down so far and then, you know, started binging again, etc. cetera. Um, and uh, I was never able to stick to anything. I um, spent, you know, most of my life thinking that um, being an appropriate size or being like a perfect, looking a certain way, um, was, oh, I've lost my train of thought, that um, looking a certain way was about having the knowledge about which to do so and then applying willpower, and a way has taught me that it has nothing to do with a lack of knowledge. It's about um, addiction and behavior, culture, um, etc. So coming into OA, strangely enough, my, my mother told me that it existed. She doesn't remember telling me that. That was like eight years ago. Um, my brother and my mom had an intervention. I remember a time when, uh, like, we all had dinner together one night, and immediately when dinner ended, I went to go make myself a bunch of waffles, like, literally within 30 seconds of dinner ending. I, it might have been, like, within dessert ending, I go to make myself a thing of waffles, and I remember my, my brother coming up to me and just saying, is there anything that I can do? And he did, that's all I said, and I knew, we both knew exactly what he meant. And I looked at him and I said, no. And I just kept going. Um, and that was every day and every night. And it usually started after, you know, maybe I'd make it to 10 a.m. before, you know, all the binging and everything. And um, I would... Uh, uh, I'd say I'm a, comp- a compensation enthusiast because I could not, whatever I ate or didn't eat, it was something that needed to be corrected or compensated for. Um, and that could be through um, exercise. Um, so, you know, the seven-day-a-week exerciser um, and all of that. So even at my top weight, you know, over 60 pounds, up from this, I was still, like, running five miles a day. So who knows what the number is. Um so completely powerless over food and, um, oh, and qualifying, you're supposed to state um, your length of abstinence. Came into program, um, got struck abstinence because I did it intellectually like it was a set of homework assignments um, and relapsed um, within a, about a year. And then so now I have um, over six years of back-to-back abstinence. Um, I only say that so that newcomers can know there are people who have experienced physical, emotional, and spiritual recovery. Abstinence is defined as refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive eating behaviors, which means that I could have a quote-unquote abstinent salad and eat it unabstinently and obsess about what I ate the rest of the day, and that means I'm not abstinent. So for for me, I believe that abstinence is not possible. Perfect abstinence is not possible, and that my identity is not based on how many days of abstinence I have. And the day my relapse stopped was the day that I stopped counting. I don't know the exact day that my over six years is. I don't want to know. It's very important for me to be brainwashed. I believe this program is a brainwash, which is totally fine. Whatever works. Um, but it's, it's really important to me. I noticed that I come from up north, and we don't count, and we don't list we don't list our days of abstinence on the sign-in sheets. Um, and for me, that you know, my ego feeds into that. The number on the scale used to matter, and the, the number of days used to matter, counting how many days I would stay on a diet. 
And uh, the second I stopped doing that, um, my recovery really took shape. So uh, life totally unmanageable. All the other things, you know, I wasn't like thrown in jail or anything, but there's there's like a whole long list of um, the things that are ridiculous. Like um, I remember I broke up with a boyfriend or he broke up with me at like 2 a.m., and it was really emotional and shameful, and I made him drive me to Jack in the Box afterward <laughs> because I was, quote-unquote, hungry, even though either he had just broken up with me or I would broken up with him in, like, a really messy, not-feel-good way. <laughs> and I remember how often I think I made him pay for it. Um, and he might have dumped me. I don't anyway, um, it sounds insane looking back. But, um, two, came to believe in a power greater than myself who could restore me to sanity. Um, uh, there is no God's plan or a deity. Take what you like and leave the rest. Um, my recovery is not part of God's plan. I don't believe in a Christian uh, God, etc., etc. I'm Catholic by story. I have a tradition of story that uh, provides me with a sense of community and uh, the only partially helpful social construct of morality. I, I would call myself a modern pantheist. Um, for me, my original concept of God, even if it wasn't a Christian God, was the same God who um, was my disease voice, my ego, my survivalist fight-or-flight voice that um, said that food was a moral issue, that I did bad if I ate a certain way or didn't eat a certain way, and that I did good, and, and it was all tied up with this concept of good and bad, which is a really sort of human mind-brain thing. Um, so, for me, I believe in... Uh, the great current, the being beyond description, the light of the sky, the the color of the of the earth, um, the intuition within me. My uh, former sponsor calls it the force in me that wants me to live more than wants me to die, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The point is that um, my mind, when overused as a tool, uh, comes up with ideas that aren't in my best interest. There is a part of me that has my best interest in mind. And uh, when I tap into it, that is a higher power. Um, I can't control, you know, the waves of the ocean. That doesn't mean I think there's a design and a plan for where they're going. I don't believe that there is a goal. I don't believe that there is a goal weight. I don't believe that if I have 20 years of abstinence, I will have come farther than if I have two days. Um, I believe the present moment is infinite and that... uh, Thinking otherwise is just, again, the mind needs something to do, and that's fine, but there are more important problems for the mind to solve than that. Um, okay, so the, the higher power. All right, so when I first got abstinent and did it like homework, the higher power was um, something I really resented. I had to redefine it. You know, it wasn't working out. Um, and I was mad at it, and somebody in OA just said, oh, just make up a different one. And so I just made up a different one what is it you know and I think our sponsors have asked us these questions what do I need my higher power to do um what do I need my higher power to be and uh so I did that and I I don't I don't think I created it I think it's like already here like whether or not I want higher power to be here there are things I can't control and um the things that I can't control oftentimes if I go with the flow or if I stay in the current um all right, this goes into a sidebar about a movie called uh, Finding Nemo, in which uh, there's a, I don't even really like the movie, but there's a part of the movie where um, they, they intersect with the, the Eastern Australian Current, 
uh, and there are sea turtles in the current, and they talk like they're from California, and they um, they have these kids in the current that are like going in and out of the current, and they don't, they have no idea where the current goes, but they're just kind of hardwired to um, be in it and go where it's going. And um, I don't like go with the flow because that's a little bit different, but. Uh, the current is there, and um, it's it's kind of like higher power is just like holding a hand, waiting for you know for me to take it. And uh, I spent most of my life concentrating on the hands that I saw pushing me down. Um, I'm gonna weave a lot of weird metaphors into this speech. Uh, so I made a decision to turn my will in my life over the care of a higher power, as I understood a higher power. Um, I am a an unquestioning soldier of preventative care. Um, to me, that was just following orders, which is part of the brainwashing, you know. And um, I think part of having, like, a specific intelligent deity god that I mixed up with something patriarchal wouldn't allow me to do that. But in this uh, program, I follow orders without asking questions, which is something, especially in, in America, I believe, that we're not tr- really trained to do. Education is all about question everything, question everything. But if, you know, if my body is a company then um, the t- food choices are not my department <laughs> and, and um, that's their job and I let them do it type of thing. Um, so I had to uh, come to a point where I was willing to follow orders. And on a day-to-day basis, often what that means is eating. Um, I mean, I haven't skipped a meal in years and years. There are so many times where I've finished a meal or eaten a meal when I didn't feel like it or wasn't hungry. And for me, that's been really important for for my recovery a lot of the time to um, just do what I'm told because I've got better things to worry about than food now. And that's that's the the sort of the recovery there. Um, so being a compulsive eater is um, to me it's a manifestation of obsessive compulsive disorder, and it's my fault. It's not my default. Wait, switch those. It's not my fault. It's my default. Um, so it's it's completely blameless. And I know we've all heard this before, but um, that's <laughs> kind of why I have to follow directions because I'm wired that way. Um, I was probably born chemically with uh, the tendency to compulsively uh, overeat. And so it's... Uh, my go-to, my automatic pilot, so I actually can't control whether or not I'm going to binge tonight. There's nothing that I can do about that. I can only control my amount of preventative care, which is why I'm an unquestioning soldier of preventative care, because whatever my sponsor tells me to do that is preventative care, I can do that. I actually cannot guarantee you that I won't eat tonight, and even if I did binge tonight, it would have no effect on my self-worth. Um, so moving on... I circle back. Um, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Um, I do this every day now. All the, all the steps kind of blend together. But, uh, you know, when I first came into the program and all of my um, thinking and talking in my head was step one stuff, fight or flight, survival, all judgment, um, all sort of distraction, Step four kind of, like, categorizes all that. And um, so, for example, if I were to go through, like, an example of step four, it would be like, okay, so I resent my little sister for um, not wanting to spend as much time with me as I want to spend with her and for being thinner than I am naturally. 
Um, and so my attitude about it, and the attitude's really important to me because if, if, if I just said, what's my part in it? I'd like if I ask myself that question, what's my part in it? I'm really intellectual and imaginative and I'll think up, I could think of like 20 different things that I did wrong intellectually in a homework type of way. So when I ask myself what's my attitude about it, I get much closer to the root of it. Well, my attitude is that um, I'm the victim. I deserve to eat whatever I want and be just as thin as her. I, I think that um, it's okay to compare my body to her, somebody who's like over a foot shorter than me. And I um, over-rely. Um, I deserve to have her around and worship me all the time. Um, and when I think about my attitude, then the ridiculousness becomes more obvious. And it's easier to see my part in, you know, over-reliance on, over-reliance on others, um, deriving my self-worth from her rather than from my higher power, and um, being a sponge, not separating my truth. Which brings me to my next metaphor, which is uh, I like to picture um, a jar of ink, blue ink, who knows why. Um, but I, I often think that when I came into OA, like if I'm a jar of beautiful blue ink, it's spilled and it's like out everywhere um, among everybody. And I don't know where I end and where other people begin. And I'm like out there and um, I don't know where my self-worth is and where yours is and um, where the boundaries are. And I think the step four and five is a lot about collecting up the ink to put it back in the jar. And once it's back in the jar, then the light can shine through. And when we're, like, spilled out and overlapping with everybody else, um, you, can't, you can't even imagine what type of light would shine through a sort of a whole being. Um, so I like to picture that. Uh, admitted to God, to myself, and to another human being, the exact nature of my wrongs. Well, I think we've all, you know, once we get those sort of obsessive thoughts out, um, we hear how ridiculous they are. And um, there's a couple steps in there that's like, became ready, admitted to another human being. And I could just cut those out because you can't move on to the next step without doing that. So um, we're entirely ready to have my higher power remove my defects of character. So, for example... Um, if I over-rely on my sister and I uh, constantly compare myself to other people and I um, don't know where I end and she begins and I want to control her, then for me, rather than saying that all those things are defects and, oh my God, please take them away, I can only pray for the opposite because then that turns it into a positive thing. Um, help me to... Oh, I left my... I have a card in the car that I read every morning that's a, a prayer that's basically helped me be the opposite of my defects, which um, would be in that, the case of that example, help me to separate my truth, help me to seek my own approval, help me to um, be, be self-reliant, to, um, and then it goes into uh, the other affirmations that I say every day are, um, which is the same thing. It's like asking to be the opposite of my defects is the same thing as the, the affirmations that uh, I was born whole, nothing to be corrected for, uh, nothing to be compensated for, nothing to be corrected. I make decisions that are appropriate for me. I'm capable of good work. I am worthy of love. Um, and that also goes back to the whole um, abstinence and numbers thing. Of, you know, if my higher power wanted to be, me to be completely happy, successful in my career, and feel worthy of an amazing mate, and be 100 more pounds than I am now, that's fine. It's totally fine. It's not up to me. It could happen tomorrow. I'm fine with it. 
Um, so, humbly asked him to remove my shortcomings. Uh, so, in the, in praying a lot about it, it, it just, it just comes about. It's, uh, we're just replacing the wiring, right? Um, so that a lot of these things become routine. Uh, because, you know, anything in childhood, like if I was binging between age four and eight, that's such a, uh, impressionable time that, uh, I mean, it would take 40 years to sort of replace that routine, right? So all, all we're doing is replacing that routine with a brainwashed positive routine that works better for us. Um, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. I found that I'm a strange one in this category because uh, for this most recent fourth step, my amend has been to leave everyone alone and don't talk to them. Uh, I'll explain. Um, I've always been the type of person that would tell a complete stranger that I'm in a way and I'm a compulsive eater and I'm sorry, I can't, I'm so sorry for the tone of voice I just used. I'm sorry that may have come off as condescending. Um, just completely honest and self-aware and you think, uh, you know, I'd like to think that more self-awareness would make me be better at my diet. You know, and, um, my amends were often to just act differently with people, which I think is much more difficult than saying sorry. I have no problem saying sorry. I have no problem saying anything. I could talk forever. So um, there are almost this time, every single person on my list has been a living amends in which I have positive boundaries and um, I am, you know, praying for their well-being and... Uh, having faith that they are in the current as well that that is not of my making um, made direct amends to such people wherever possible on a daily basis I have to make these living amends um, except when to do so would injure them or others well that's the thing is apologizing again oftentimes would have injured would have injured them uh, 10 continue to take personal inventory and when I was wrong promptly admitted it so I'll tell you daily routine stuff um, I, when I, uh, wake up in the morning, I, when I, when I get into my car, um, I, I just made up a, sometimes the, the word changes, I forget the word for these things, but it's an acronym, um, P is for prayer, I pray for other people, get myself out of my head immediately and praying for other people's well-being, and then A is for attributes, all the attributes that I'm, um, it spells Pangea, by the way, I don't know why. Uh, A is for attributes, help me, um, you know, be of service today, help me um, to hum- keep my details humble, help me stick to my side of the street, etc. There's like 20 of them, I wrote them on a little card, and sometimes I change them up. And how can I be nice to myself today in a non-food way, and that doesn't mean recovery work, and it doesn't mean going to another meeting, and it doesn't mean calling my sponsor. It means something nice that will help me enjoy life and um, help me cope better that is not food or not compensating for or correcting for obsessing about food. G, what am I grateful for? Um, just keeps me positive. E, what are my emotions and where do I feel them in my body, which when I entered OA was something I could not do. Um, I had to learn that tired is not a feeling and fat is not a feeling. If I feel fat, it means I feel judgmental. And 90% of the emotions that I have when I entered this program, I feel fat, I feel full, I feel worthless, I feel blah, 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 blah. 90%, all those words, just means I feel judgmental. I feel self-judgmental. 
like 90% of the time, um, which goes along with the realization that I was extremely anxious 90% of the time. And one of the big um, lessons in program has been that uh, I am naturally more anxious than other people. That is okay. I don't necessarily need to do something about it. And I don't need to eat over it or correct it. And other people feel that anxious that often, a lot of the time. And there's, there's just no point in voicing it half the time, I guess. Um, oh, I was going to get to the personal inventory. So, yeah, uh, what, you know, I feel despair in my head. I've noticed that most of the negative thoughts end up being up here. Um, and, uh, A, the last one is those affirmations I said earlier about, you know, I enjoy my independence and I have friends and things like that. Uh, and then... On the way home from work at the end of the day, I say in the car what I've done well and what I would like to improve, which is the step 10 stuff. And um, 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. So patriarchal. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Um, that, uh, I mean, I've taken a meditation class or two before, but the, the, the point is just to be in constant contact with our higher power. Um, I haven't been capable of doing meditation. I've done, there's certain things that keep me more in the present moment, which is, you know, my higher power could be called the present moment. Um, and, uh, you know, things for me are like drinking tea because it's a process that slows me down or listening to opera, going for walks and things like that. And so the last time I did step 11, um, it would just be having a regularly scheduled thing um, in my day where I was making myself available to my higher power. Oh, look at those. I just noticed those. Oh, only 10 minutes. Look at me. Okay. Um I'm on step 11. That's actually fine. Um, I guess it's just to, to stay out of disease thinking, right? I often think of, uh, here's another metaphor of disease thinking. Um, it's, a, it's a hammer. Um, my mind is a hammer, an intellectual hammer. It's really beautiful. It's made of gold. I have some gold nails. I'm building a house. The house is going to be really awesome. I've got these nails. I use the hammer on the house, and I nail in whatever the door looks beautiful and um, I have no other coping mechanism because I'm obsessive compulsive and now that I've nailed in the door I start banging when I have no more hammers left and or no more nails left and I'm like knocking in the wall <laughs> and I just the hammer just keeps going and that's all the mind is doing it's not bad it doesn't mean like my ego needs to go away and my ego is completely bad it just means that it's a tool and it's being misused in a department that's not it's that's not productive for it so uh, another idea would be like if I had um, a paintbrush and I'm like painting the mailbox and the the my intellect is the paintbrush and so I paint the mailbox but I keep going and I end up painting the mailbox shut and then I'm painting the grass and so the grass is just like covered with paint and so then the, nobody's going to come visit my house um, which goes back to that metaphor about the present moment being a dark, empty room that nobody's visiting. Um, and a way, you know, being able to step into the room, find a light, find a window, decorate the room, and have that be enough. 
um, step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry the message to others and practice these principles in all our affairs. Um, Carrying the message to others, again, that's just doing what I'm told. Um, And going back to doing what I'm told, um, why do I do that? Uh, I spent so many years in my disease thinking... um, if I have this cookie, it's not a guarantee that I will binge the rest of the night. And you know what? It's not. It actually isn't. There's so many people are going to come up here and say, if I have that cookie, I'm going to binge forever, and that's why I won't have it. I actually don't believe that. I actually believe that there are times when that won't happen. But I have an extreme tendency to be triggered and to binge and to use food as a coping mechanism and obsess about it. I have an extreme tendency. The grown-up thing to do with an extreme tendency is to take preventative action to deal with that, to take care of myself around that extreme tendency. I'm so grown up now that I have, that I'm actually willing to take some sort of action like calling my sponsor earlier in the day, even if I don't need to, because that's the only action I can take. I can't guarantee what I'll do for the rest of the day, and there's no guarantee that that will be a binge or not. But the grown-up thing to do is to take the preventative action without asking any questions. So that's what I do. And to practice these principles in all our affairs. Well, I didn't really know how to live when I got into OA at all, so this just gives you a blueprint, you know? Um, so everything, anything that's going on with me today, like, oh, I was sitting in traffic today, I had a horrible day, let me vent to you guys about it is really actually I'm powerless over the traffic. I believe that my heart power is my best interest in mind and wants me to be in a state of peace about it. And I am going to give the traffic back to the great current. I've got better things to worry about. My heart power can take care of it. But I resent that the cars are there. (laughs) My attitude is that they shouldn't be there and I should control them and remove them. That's ridiculous. <laughs> the defect is wanting to control everything. Please uh, help me, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, you know, um, et cetera. We all know that prayer. Um, you get the idea. Um, there are a couple other metaphors. I like, uh, sometimes I call my higher power the ring of the redwood tree because um, when you, you look at the, the, the rings in a redwood tree, you think about sort of the frequency of emotion and stress with the earth and how big it is and how there is a frequency that we can't always tap into that is so much bigger and so much more important than the little things that my disease wants to obsess about. Um, and i probably got like five minutes now, right? Awesome. Um, I want to make sure I give you all the metaphors. Uh, oh, here's another one that really helped me. Um, one of my favorite poems. Oh, no, it's not OA literature. Here's a sentence that I'm going to say. Um, how is it? It's the beginning of the poem, and it's, um, Here, poet, I give you a parachute as marvelous as the magnetism of the abyss into which you fall. And uh, I think, in a way, we spend all day building building our parachute because uh, the disease never goes away. I was telling a sponsee yesterday that, um, oh, yeah, I, every couple of days or so I'll think about not having my snack because I would be like, wouldn't that be great if I didn't need my snack? <laughs> my value is totally not connected to what I eat or not eat today. It's like a ridiculous thought. I still have it. I have years and years of back-to-back abstinence still have that thought. I don't do anything about it. But the disease does not go away. The parachute just gets bigger. 
So if I think about, like, this really dark abyss that I'm totally attracted to, you know, like, whatever, it's like a huge bag of caramels or something, um, and I'm attracted toward it, and it's like this, you know, it seems like a beautiful thing, the parachute has to be bigger, and so I'm just making it bigger. So, if like, if I was 90% in my disease, my diseased mind is only, like, 5% now, and the rest is so much bigger, and my life is so much bigger. Um Let's see what else I can tell you guys. I'm sure I forgot something. But we could have like a question. Can we do that? Okay. Hi. I'm sure I could remember a lot of them since I say it every day. Help me see how my work affects others. Help me stick to my side of the street. Help me keep my details humble. Help me separate my truth. Help me seek my own approval. Help me um, remain confident in my own decisions. Help me... uh, What is the one I just added recently? It's like... I can't remember them all. But every defect has an opposite. If there's... um, Ah, help me accept others as they are. It's like... (laughs) The hugest one. (laughs) Um, help me let others shine. That was a really big one for me. Help me let others shine, especially since my living amends is usually to just shut up. (laughs) Does that answer your question? Oh, that was the N, uh, Pangea. It used to be Paige, Pangea. The N is nice things I can do for myself that aren't food-oriented, which might be just sitting there for a second. I don't own a scale. I don't weigh myself. Mm-hmm. I decided. I decided. There's my ego again. I think I do this program better than everyone else, by the way. Can you tell? <laughs> um, I couldn't tell. That's how slow it was. I couldn't tell. First, always the first diet in which I couldn't tell I was losing weight. Really? <laughs> always not a diet. But, um... If I had to guess, I probably lost, like, most of the time when I was losing weight, like, the last, for instance, like, the last 15 to 20 pounds was maybe a pound a month. And uh, my abstinence, my abstinence, what I mean is my food plan, one of the tools that helps me avoid the major symptoms, um, was just uh, a break in between three binges originally. Um, That's what it started as. Um, I don't have any red light foods anymore, but I sure as hell started with a lot. And success today is not sticking to my food plan. Success is accepting where my willingness is at and being willing to ask for help. So if I'm not willing to abstain from chocolate today, that's not where I'm at personally, but I'm just giving the example, accepting that that's where my willingness is at and being willing to tell my sponsor that instead of saying, yes, sponsor, I won't eat chocolate and then hanging up and leaving away and coming back ten years later. Um, actually saying, this is where my willingness is at. I'm willing to ask for help. I'm willing to take your suggestion of, for instance, delaying eating the chocolate by 20 minutes and then acknowledging that as a victory. Now I forgot the question. Did I, did I answer it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.